Hello and greetings. Thank you for joining us today, and thank you for giving us the gift of spending time together as we explore what God has made known in Christ, that we may live to be more effective servants of Him. My name is Ethan, and I work with the Venice Church of Christ. We're disciples making disciples in Los Angeles. Let us begin by going to God in prayer. Father, hallowed be your name. We're thankful for all the many blessings and gifts that you've given us in life. We're thankful that you have given consideration for us and care for us as your creation, that you have given us all the material blessings of life, that you have sent your son Jesus, that we may learn regarding who you are through him, that we may receive uh, the opportunity to be reconciled to you through his death, through the hope of life eternal and his resurrection, that we may serve you and his kingdom, since you have made him Lord, and we eagerly look forward to his return one day. We're thankful for your spirit, for the word by which we may come to know you, for uh, one another, for all the many good things that you've given us. We would like for you, Father, to heal all those who are ill, to give comfort to those who are in distress and, and those who are grieving. We pray that you would strengthen those who are weak. And as we enter into this time of consideration what you've made known, Father, we pray that you would open our hearts and minds, that we would more effectively come to learn regarding what you would have us to be, and that we would serve you well, and that you would be glorified and honored. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Goodness is one of those subjects where, hey, goodness is a good thing, right? We like good things. We like what is good. In Galatians 5 and verse 22, goodness is one of the manifestations of the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, John puts it well in 3 John. Uh, Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Right? So we like good things. We think we want to do good things. But what are good things? You know, hey, uh, bacon cheeseburgers taste good. Right? So it's a good thing, right? Uh, When your favorite sports team finally wins a game. That's a good thing, right? Yeah, you get victory. Feels good, right? We can think of a lot of other examples of a lot of good things. But uh, as I'm sure you're aware, bacon cheeseburgers, while they may taste good, aren't very good for you. Um, If your sports team wins, that means another person's sports team loses, and they generally don't think that's very good. And so goodness is a more complicated subject than we'd like to believe. And so it's good for us to spend some time, see what we did there, uh, to consider what is good and what the scriptures have to teach about goodness. And that gets us to that question, what is the good? And what is the idea of good based on? Um, We like to think that good and bad are pretty obvious to see and pretty automatic. That there's things that taste good, like bacon cheeseburgers, when things go favorably in a sports game or an election, that we think it's a good thing. If it feels pleasurable, it's good. If it sounds right, if it seems right, it's good. And if we're honest with ourselves, that's kind of the way that the good is determined and represented, uh, especially in our modern culture. But of course, is that true? Well, if somebody doesn't like bacon cheeseburgers, then bacon cheeseburgers aren't very good to them, right? Uh, if there is a winner who feels good, there's a loser who does not feel good. Uh, and we don't think that losing is good. Uh, something could feel good, but have bad consequences. And a lot of things that may sound right end up being wrong. And this gets us to our conundrum that people define good by themselves. 
And even we go from maybe some of these more mundane things to much more maybe elevated things. We talk about good people, right? Isn't that a term we often use? You know, well, he's a good person or she's a good person. Um, and uh, it's an understandable thing. We want to think of people as good. Who wants to say, yeah, I'm a bad person? How many people do you know who will say that about themselves? Yep, I'm a bad person. There's a lot of really, really large number of self-professed good people and the people for whom we want to test. Well, they're, they're good people. But when we look on the news, it's hard to imagine there's a lot of good people out there, right? We see a lot of people committing crimes, they're committing adultery, fornication, lying and cheating. Uh, people that we want to say are good, we end up seeing uh, say or do bad things or align themselves in unfortunate ways. And in fact, these days especially, that idea of saying, well, they're really a good person has kind of been a way to try to excuse some of the less than pleasant parts of people. That, well, if you just got to know them better, you see that they were good. Or they've got some of these issues, but they're really a good person. Um, and that's the difficulty, is that we want to try to hold on to an emphasis of people and their good side, and yet there's these this bad side of people, right? And... There's a reason why it's difficulty making the good out to be whatever we think is good. Because it becomes relativist. Because it's what's good for us. And even utilitarian in the sense. It's good because it benefits me. And in our desire to kind of try to make everybody look good, there's all kinds of ugliness and evil and bad stuff that ends up getting justified, excused, or neglected in the kind of portrayal and that has a lot of unpleasant circumstances and consequences that come from it. Um, and of course, the reason why all of these challenges exist is because uh, we end up being the ones judging what is good and bad. Uh, because if we can rationalize our behavior, justify our behavior, or excuse our behavior, or minimize our behavior, which is what happens often, we can still somehow try to make ourselves out to be good. You know, the proverbial putting lipstick on the pig. And... The problem is this is not at all what God intended. In Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse 23, Jeremiah cries out, I know, O Yahweh, that the way of man is not in himself, that it is not in man who walks to direct his steps. Uh, in Proverbs, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. And if we are aware of the great lament and, and, and powerful declaration of woe in Isaiah chapter 5 and in verse 20. Uh, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Um, and, of course, the great irony is that you'll see people throw that verse at each other for various reasons, and it's important to keep the next verse in mind as well. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and shrewd in their own sight. The important thing for us to realize, first and foremost, that what is good is not to be defined by us, is to be defined by God. That God has made known what is good for us in what he has made known in Scripture, according to Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. As we said, that we are to, uh, to commend what is good and to stay away from what is evil in 3 John 1 and verse 11, and John would establish that God has established such things. Um, that 
In 2 Peter 2 and verse 3, the Peter warns that those false teachers in their greed will exploit uh, with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. That God has seen what they are doing, and he is going to judge and judge sharply. In Romans chapter 12 and in verse 2, Paul gives a very important exhortation that... uh, the people of God are not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of our minds, that by testing we may discern what is the will of God, and the will of God is what is good, and what is acceptable, and what is perfect. And so God is good. What God has willed is good, and what he has established in the scriptures equips us for the work that God has given us to do. And good is not just in the final product. And this is something that's very important. In the Machiavellian way of the world, the ends justify the means. And we will see plenty of times where there is all kinds of excuses and justifications made why, uh, even though there can be shady, illegal, unethical, immoral things done to accomplish a purpose, if the ultimate purpose is good, a lot of times the there will be plenty of rationalizations and justifications of all the evil done in order to accomplish that good result. Uh, in the spiritual realm, for instance, we could suggest that, hey, if we could baptize 10 people, we would say that's a great thing, right? It's a good work uh, to bring people to the Lord. But if those people were baptized because we uh, offer them $100 if they were baptized, or if we pointed a gun at their head and said that they were, you were going to shoot unless they got baptized, then the work that we have done is not good at all. Uh, the they got wet, but they did not go through the the purposes of baptism because it was not joined by faith uh, and commitment to a new life. And our behavior has proven reprehensible, uh, attempting to accomplish what seems to be a good purpose, but uh, defiling the entire endeavor because of the means by which we attempted to accomplish it. And so, if we're going to be good and do good, We need to do what God says to do, but also doing it according to the way God has established it should be done. And so it's not just in the end result, it's also the means. We cannot accomplish the Lord's work through the devil's tools. Because only the devil wins when we're in his wheelhouse. And so the good is that which God has determined to be good in method and in uh, the completion in what has been manifest. So what is good is what God has defined as good, and there's all kinds of things that we can see that are defined as good. But who can be good is another uh, question of some importance, because we often hear talk about good people, right? Well, uh, in Mark chapter 10, story also seen in uh, Matthew chapter 19, uh, we have who we call the rich young ruler come uh, to Jesus. And he says, good teacher, in verse 17, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. And so the rich young ruler is trying to ingratiate himself in with Jesus, but Jesus uses this as a very important teaching model, that only God is good. And then he turns the rich young ruler to the commandments, right? You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. So those who do God's commandments are, quote-unquote, good people. 
But the difficulty of, with that, of course, is, as Paul says in Romans 3 and verse 23, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That righteousness cannot come through the law because none of us have kept the law. Or as John will say, if we have no sin in 1 John 1, 8, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Uh, that none of us have done the law perfectly. All of us have violated the law in some way. And that is why, in the end, it is only God who is truly good. That we are all in stages of goodness. And our goodness is always relative, because we have done evil, we participate in evil, and the line between good and evil runs through each and every one of us. Even when we become rather holy in our conduct, even if we are excellent at manifesting the fruit of the Spirit and have avoided the works of the flesh, that is no guarantee of continual behavior. There's, we are always tempted to turn toward the evil as long as we are alive. This is why in Second Peter 3 and verse 18 we must continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus that we may become more like him, more conformed to his image in Romans 8 and verse 29 uh, to uh, root out all the forms of iniquity and wickedness in us so we would not be bad but we would be good. And so um, we need to be careful about that tendency toward the good enough in our goal to be good. Uh, so no one is truly good, and so the idea of being an overall good person is not going to be enough to save us. And this again gets us to the framework uh, that a lot of people have, where they kind of look at themselves and, and they look at how to, to judge themselves in terms of kind of even an Egyptian model where you balance out, you, know, you put all the good and then all the bad on the ones on different sides and the, the scales e even out. And, and of course in that assessment we maximize the good and we for self-preservation purposes kind of neglect or suppress the bad. And of course there's sometimes good that we do we don't recognize we're doing but there's plenty of times where there's things that we're doing that have uh, detrimental effects harmful effects on others that we may not even be fully cognizant of. And so we judge ourselves as being good people on a curve, so to speak. And again, it's not based on man's definition, but God's. And in God's definition, uh, as we see in Paul's characterization of the law very sharply in James chapter 2, that if you uh, begin guilty in one point, you're guilty of all. You know, in a modern court case, if you're on trial for stealing and you're the lawyer, defend, defense lawyer tries to say all the other things you haven't done bad and all the good things you've done. If, if you've stolen, that's all that matters. You are guilty of stealing. You are now condemned by the law as a transgressor. You will always have that misdemeanor or felony on your record. And no matter what you can do, you will always have that record of criminality. And so it is when it comes to our sin. It doesn't matter how many sins we've avoided, how many good things we've done. If we have sinned in one point, we are condemned as guilty, as a transgressor of the law. And thus, we cannot be saved by that means. It's very important because we do see in our culture uh, just enough information from Christianity, just enough uh, worldliness for people to think that, well, I do a lot of good, therefore I'm going to be saved. And that's not at all how this works. Well, good people are saved and I'm a good person. Well, the standard of salvation is not being a good person. In Ephesians chapter 2 and Titus chapter 3, Paul confesses that all of us have not been good people. We've been bad people. We are sinners. We were hated and hating in turn. 
that we are by nature children of wrath, that in God's great mercy and love he has saved us because we have put our faith and our trust in what he has accomplished in Jesus, and that we now submit to his purposes. Uh, the Cornelian centurion, this is Cornel, the Cornelius centurion, excuse me, we would describe as a good man, based upon all the things he did in Acts chapter 10, verses 1 through 4. He gave alms, he was a supporter, all of the, had a good reputation around all the Jewish people, and yet he needed to hear God's message of redemption. He needed to believe it and obey it in order to be saved, in verses 34 through 48. That being a good person was not good enough for salvation then or now. And so we need to see that good is a matter definition. That by God's judgment, no man is truly good. A humble servant of Christ that's striving to obey him could be considered as a good person. Uh, we see that in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 38 uh, in the conclusion of the parables that the good is being brought into uh, the barns. The good is being saved. Um, as, according to man's definition, those who try to live moral lives are considered to be good. Um, but we need to realize that that can be a very deceptive thing. Because you can try to lead a moral life and yet commit a lot of immorality. And we might want to neglect and suppress the evil. Uh, normally that's because we're not the victims of it. And uh, we look at people very differently when we suffer from their evil. And it's very hard to see such people as the good. And if we remember that being good does not by itself mean saved, we can, on a scale of relativity, talk about people as good. As long as we understand that even good people need to obey Christ to be saved, and to understand that there's a lot of danger that can work into uh, using that kind of terminology. Alright, so now we're in a better position to understand what is the good. Uh, we've been trying to understand, uh, because... There is no human who is truly good. Uh, God is good, and what God establishes is good. What are we supposed to do? Well, what we saw there in Third John 1, verse 11. We need to be those who pursue after the good. To set our minds on what is good. To, in our minds, focus on and commend what is noble, what is just, what is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good report. That we, we focus on those things in Philippians 4 and verse 8. That we um, are productive unto good works in Titus 3, 8 and 14. In fact, the whole reason that Paul and Titus explains how people were lost in their sins and saved by God's grace and mercy is to motivate them to be active in good works. And good minds, again, come from thinking about what is good and lovely and pleasing to God. That as a man thinks, thus he is going to act. That's the premise of Romans 12, 2. And the warning of, about judgment, Matthew 12, 34, and 35. That if we have good thoughts and we have good motives, that good deeds ought to follow. And we should not neglect or suppress the idea of doing good works. In fact, in Ephesians 2 and in verse 10, that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. That the whole point that God has with us is to accomplish these good works, in fact, it goes back in Matthew 5, 13 through 16, about being the salt of the earth, the light of the world, that the people would see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven because of them. 
And we understand what many of these good works are. They are to do the commandments in Matthew 19.17, to help the poor in Mark 14.7, to act to the advantage of others, to be merciful as God is merciful toward us in Luke 6.27.30-35, Galatians 6.10, that we would listen to God in Luke 10 and verse 42. We need to obey civil authority in Romans 13, 3, and 4. In Romans 14, 21, to strive to make sure we do nothing to make a brother stumble, uh, that we pursue all things for edification in 1 Corinthians 10, 23, and 14, 26, to build up with, uh, with uh, encouraging speech in Ephesians 4 and verse 29, to have goodwill in what we do in Ephesians 6 and verse 7, that we should pray for all men, especially those in authority in 1 Timothy 2 and verses 1 through 3. And we can see... Uh, many good works established in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and in verse 10. To uh, bring up children, to show hospitality, to wash the feet of the saints, to care for the afflicted, to devote to every good work, which Paul has to say here about widows who, have, uh, who are to be enrolled uh, to be supported by the church. We accept the discipline of God in Hebrews 12 and verse 10 to even suffer for doing God's will in 1 Peter 2.20 and 3.17. And so what the scriptures equip us to do are good works because they equip us for every good work. So that includes proclaiming the gospel and evangelism in Matthew 28.18-20 when we avoid the works of the flesh and manifest the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.17-24 doing what God has commanded us to do. And so we should also make sure that we are doing what God establishes as good in the ways that God desires to do them and for the reasons God would have us to do them. Uh, Good things done in bad ways are not really good. If we convert people to anything but the pure gospel, it's not good. John 6, 26-27, there's that danger uh, where people will come for the food or whatever you bring them in with is what you're going to need to use to keep them. To burden the church, not the individual, when the individual could be thus burdened, is not good in 1 Timothy 5 and verse 16. To defend the truth using carnal tactics and works of the flesh is not good, that we need to uh, defend the hope in us in 1 Peter 3, 15 through 16 um, with uh, gentleness and with respect, and not in, in carnal ways. And so we need to work for what is good and do so in good and holy ways for God to be fully commended in Christ. Uh, Paul puts it very succinctly in Romans chapter 12 and in verse 9. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Hold fast or to cling to what is good. What is good is what God establishes is good. To be equipped for every good work in 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17. That we grow in the faith by constantly practicing what is good. In Hebrews 5 and verse 14. That's why it is so important for us to let God define what is good and that we may seek after it. And that what we seek after that is good, we seek after in good ways as well. And to recognize that only God is truly good and that we must continue to seek to manifest goodness in our minds and in our behaviors. And it is for us as Christians to be filled with goodness that we may share in what is truly life in God and Christ forever. Let us again go to God in prayer. Father, hallowed be your name. We're again so thankful for all the blessings of life and the opportunity we've had to explore what you have established as the good.
We're so thankful, Father, that you've established for us what is good. And we always pray that we look to you to understand what is good. We understand that in us, Father, uh, there is uh, temptations toward evil. And that there's all kinds of ugliness and difficulties in which we, we live. And we are always tempted toward what works toward our advantage, what works to uh, benefit us in ways that may harm others. And we need to be careful about how we define what is good. And that we understand that ultimately none of us are good, only you are good. Uh, that we are yet to uh, find redemption in Jesus to pursue the good, to do the good works that you have uh, made us to do. And we pray, Father, that you would give us the wisdom and the insight uh, to understand that good work, the boldness and the heart to do that good work, and to do it all in ways that glorify and honor you, that many will praise your name and that you would be glorified and all in all. We look forward to the return of Jesus, uh, that we may share in all the good that you have promised for us for eternity. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. We're again so thankful you've joined us. If you have any questions or comments, if you'd like to talk more about the things that we have discussed here, uh, please feel free to reach out to us at our website at venetrichofchrist.org or on social media. If you've enjoyed what you've heard here, please share it with others and subscribe to our podcast wherever you found us. And Lord willing, we look forward to seeing you again as we have an opportunity to speak regarding the scriptures. And may the Lord bless and keep you until then.